0: what's up everybody welcome to the combo church podcast my name is craig
1: and my name is kara and we are the lead pastors of combo church
0: if you are listening on ComboChurch.com, itunes or spotify make sure you subscribe follow and like we love it when you share with your family and friends and we would love it if you would leave us a great review our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose encourage life and build faith in you enjoy Enjoy the the message
1: I'm so honored to be here today. It's just so wonderful to be able to stand up here in the place that I've watched my son and his wife work on for some time now to make it to see what God has done. And it's going to get better, I can tell you that. It's going to get better. Now, I noticed on your website that this is called Supernatural summer, is that correct? Now, what does that mean? Supernatural basically just means something that's outside of natural, doesn't it? So, that's what this church is. You're supernatural because you're not in natural. I hear my son talk about faith. You know, this is what this is all about. So, my reason for being here today on this podium right here is to energize your faith, to take you somewhere maybe where you haven't been yet, but I want to take you somewhere that God wants you to be. He's not satisfied where you are. No matter how much faith you think that you are reaching out with, God wants you to have more. He definitely wants you to have more. And I want to show you what you can be. I'm not a motivational speaker, but I'm using a book this morning that is the most motivational book that has ever been created. People have been using parts of this book for over 5,000 years, from the law, the prophets, you know, the history, everything about it, the beautiful things that God has done for his people over the years, into the New Testament that shows us what this church came from and how it grew. It's motivational, everything about it. There's no negative in the Word of God. It's only positive. That's what it accentuates. It's shaped the world in ways that no other book or writing could ever do. It's raised kingdoms from nothing. It's taken little shepherd boys And made them kings. It's turned cowards into heroes. It's turned introverts into extroverts. That's me. I couldn't even talk to a wall when I was a young man. (laughs) He's turned men into powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ and women. When I say men, I want you to know I'm talking about human man. God has his hand. On you. He built this church. You realize that you built this church in less than four years? And to see what you have here? I know of churches that have been around for 10 years and don't have 50 people in it. It's because their vision wasn't there. But see, God has given you, if you will, a monument, He has given you something that is going to cause you to even go further. And God likes monuments. He, he really does. If you'll remember, when Joshua brought the people of Israel out of the wilderness into the promised land, he did a great miracle in that he rolled back the Jordan and they walked across on dry land. But then God told Joshua, go to the center of the river. And when you get there, I want you to pick up 12 stones and take them up to the bank and pile them up there. Why? Because I want you to remember what I have done for you. This is a monument that you can look to and say, we can do more. It's not meant for you to just hang around and just sit there and see what, is, what you went through and go, well, that was wonderful, wasn't it? I think we just did a wonderful job. And you never move forward. God wants you to constantly be moving forward. There is no return in God's word. It's always going forward. It's always doing more. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you realize that that is the greatest faith that you can have? Think about it. You never saw God, did you? No, none of us have ever seen God. We haven't been fortunate enough to see Jesus Christ, but all of a sudden, something inside of us, that that little space inside of our lives that's been built up and made just for God gives us this faith to believe, first of all, that there is a God, a one true living God, and second of all, that His Son came here to this earth to die so that we could have salvation i tell you the truth, I really don't want to have a faith where I have to go back to an altar every year and and put up some sacrifice of an animal so that I can be atoned. And I can go ahead and sin for the next year, then I can come back and I can atone again and just do that constantly. What a wreck. Jesus Christ paid for our sins once and for all. We are free from sin. We are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. There's nothing better than that. This is a basic tenet of our faith. We're called to walk by faith. I want you to know that. God does not want you to walk by sight. He wants you to walk by faith. Faith only works one way, though. You have to extend yourself beyond what you can accomplish in yourself. If you can do it on your own, it's not faith. It's called presumption. And to presume something is almost as bad as to assume something. And we all know what that means. Now, I want to talk to you about my son just for a moment, if, if he will allow me to, to gloat. I can tell you when my son first left Virginia some, what, 10 years now? 11 years ago when you went to Montana? Yeah, about that time, he, he wasn't ready. <laughs> he thought he was, but he wasn't ready. He went out to plant a brand new church, and God sidelined him a little bit so that he could learn what he needed to do. But you know what God liked about him and what I love about him? He had faith. He believed that God wanted him to do something above and beyond what he could do in his own power. And he and his wife took their family and shot out across the country. And during those years, prior to him coming here, God put something in him that was stronger than ever before. And that was, God does not want me to be a non-entity. He wants me to count for something. And the only way that I can count for something is if I step aside and I allow God to tell me what He wants me to do. And that's what He did. And when the time finally came, about, what, three and a half years ago, He came to me and He said, Dad, we're going to go plant a church. I said, Where are you going to go? Uh, God says, I'm going to Reno. Now, can you imagine what that means to a father when he's finally got his son on the East Coast for the first time in five years, and I can reach him within two and a half hours up in Maryland, and then he tells me he's going to Reno? (laughs) You know, I, I didn't put that faith in him. I couldn't. Now, what I did, I prayed for him, you know? I tried to teach him how to walk with God, I wanted him to be a man of God. But I didn't put it in there. The faith that's in him is what God put there. My wife and I, we tried to live a godly life in front of him to show him how you should live. We we tried to show him that it's not about us, it's about God. But it was God who put that faith in him. It was God that put that, that ability to want to go far beyond what he thought he could do. And I am so proud of him. I don't know what to do. i tell you that. Now, he gave me some fits as a child, and I'm not going to talk to you about that, but he is a powerful man of God. <laughs> if you want to know those things, you'll have to ask him because I'm not going to talk about them. What's the opposite of Faith. What's the opposite of faith? Fear. Fear. That's what it is. You cannot do anything for God if you live a fearful life. You can't be afraid. God wants us to live in faith. Satan's tool is fear because he wants to stop you. He wants to tell you you can't do it. He wants to tell you you're no good. You're never going to be a success. You're going to fail at everything you've ever done in your life. You may as well just go ahead, sit in the corner, turn your head into the corner of the wall, and just sit there for the rest of your life because you can't do it. That's his job. Try to stop us, but he's not going to. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, every child of God defeats the evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's what I was talking about. That takes great faith to believe in somebody you never saw. You only hear what Jesus did, but we know that it was miraculous. And we also know that we're going to see Jesus again. He's going to come back, and he's going to be taking care of us for eternity. And that's a wonderful thing. You can't beat that. Now, let me take you through four things that I think will do a wonderful job for you to do more. And with that, I'll tell you that the title of my message today is There Is More. Number one, and this is a biggie, in order to have more in God, and I'm not talking about, you know, Bigger salary, bigger houses, nicer cars, you know, fine clothes. Kids go, always go to the best schools. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the church. If we want to have more as a church, if we want to increase the numbers that we have, if we want to really reach our city, the first thing we have to have is a relationship with God. Without a relationship with God, you don't have really anything. Jude in the first chapter verses 20 and 21. And I'm going to read this it's up on the store on the screen here in the ESV and you can read that as you see it. But I want to read it to you from the message. It says, "But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open, outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ." this is the unending life the real life how many of you in here that are married let me see your hands okay That's a good number of you how did you build your relationship did you never talk to them did you not try to sit down with them and you know just let them know that you're there and begin to tell them your life and what you wanted Or did you really do your best? Men, I know you guys. You went the extra mile, man. You were nice. You talked to them. You let them know what your heart was. I mean, you knew this was the one. She was going to be your mate for the rest of your life. This is it. I've got to build this relationship. And that's good. That's what we're supposed to be. But then how in the world can we have a relationship with God if we don't take the time to talk to him? There's no relationship there. If we don't take the time to listen, did you know God talks to you every day? He's talking right now. God never really is quiet. He's always saying something. Kind of like your wife, you know, never gets quiet. (laughs) But it's different. (laughs) It's different. The way that we have... A real relationship with God. It's three ways. One, this is very important, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude just talked about that. We build up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, you need it. It really is a command from God. Repent in Acts 2:38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. It's part of the salvation. It comes. And it's a wonderful thing. It's great to be able to pray to God in the tongues when you really have run out of things to say, and you don't even know what to say. But God takes over, and he uses that so that it can be for you. Stay right in the center of God's love. He doesn't want us to get close to the world, people. Why do I see so many Christians across this country today that want to say that they're a Christian, but yet they want to slide right up to the world and be as close as they can to without actually really committing a sin, you know? We need to be at the center of God's love. That's where he wants us. And We need to keep our arms open. In other words, be open to embrace God. Be ready to receive him in every way that he wants to. We've got to build that relationship. Now, I want to tell you something about relationship. And I'm not going to tell you my words. I'm going to give you the words of Jesus Christ. You know those red-letter words in the Bible? That's everything that Jesus said. We need to listen to that because that's where the power, that's where the truth is. Look at Matthew 7. I'll start in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, "Lord, Lord, did we not cast out uh, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And then I want to go to verse 23, it's not up on the board, but listen to me. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So, see, it's possible to call yourself a Christian and even do some works for God and not have a relationship with Him. That word in the 23rd verse where it says, I never knew you, is a word that we can translate into a marriage relationship. That knowing is even intimate. God wants us to be intimate with him. That's how you build a relationship with him. You can't do it reading your Bible while you're watching TV. Did you know you can get distracted? (laughs) And the Lord said, and he did what? You know. You've got to get alone. That's why it is important for us to pray in the Holy Spirit. There's another principle that we have in the Bible. You look at it and find it for yourself. But it says go into your prayer closet. When you pray, don't pray out in the open where people can see you so they think you're so holy and pious. Get in your closet. Wherever that place is where you can get in with God, nobody can interrupt you, and you can begin to pray. And when you do that, God will begin to speak to you. Keep your Bible with you because he'll speak to you through the Bible. He'll speak to you in your spirit. And there are times when God will seem like he just gave you an audible voice and just told you what you were supposed to do. That's what relationship is all about. When I have a problem with my wife and my marriage, I go to her. I don't settle in a corner and hide somewhere. We want to talk it out. If you've got something that you feel like is not right, you talk to God about it, he'll make it right. He'll get it where it needs to be. So, you want more? (laughs) To have more, you must have faith and not fear defeat. Don't let faith defeat you. I mean, not faith, fear. (laughs) Fear will stop you in your tracks. Tell you you can't do it. And tell you that no one will ever listen to you. It'll say to you, you don't have enough funds to finish this job. Why do you even start? Tell you that you can't speak before men, like Satan used to tell me. Fear will paralyze you. Even if you feel like you're still operating, it will paralyze you. Don't let this evil world and its God stop you from what you want to achieve here as a church. You've got a city you've got to reach. You're a child of the king, and his spirit lives in you. Nothing can stop you if you just believe in God and what he can do through you. We used to say in baseball when we get in a tough situation, I used to pitch. Uh, and didn't Didn't make it in high school. Always was bad, but when I got a little bit older, my coordination caught up, and I got to do some pitching a little bit on some commercial baseball teams. And the manager would come out to you. You're in a tough spot. And he'll say, bow your neck, son. Challenge that hitter. Don't be afraid. Go for it. And that kind of stuff pumps you up. And the next thing you know, you're getting ready to throw that ball. You don't care if it hits his head or hits the plate. <laughs> Just let her fly. That's what we're supposed to be as Christians. Let it Fly. Don't slow down. Don't let anybody tell you that they're going to beat you. Don't let a batter up there at the plate go, come on, bring it to me because I'm going to knock it out right over your head, you know. Don't worry about that. Number three, to have more, you have to have a plan. Have you got a plan, Craig? Yes, sir. Has he got a plan? Has he told you about his plan? Yes, he has. I'm sure he has, and you're going to hear it over and over and over. Let me take you to the book of James, 2nd chapter, 14th verse. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but he does not have works? Verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In James, in the 22nd verse there of that second chapter, and he's speaking about Abraham, he says, you see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Works are actions. We're not talking about salvation here. Salvation is a free gift of God. You don't have to work for anything. You just have to ask God to, to forgive you of your sins and receive his salvation. But after you become a Christian, God expects some works. To show forth in your faith. Actions are predicated by a plan. If you don't have a plan, you will not succeed. James knew that. James knew it in that he set goals. Everything takes a plan. It takes a plan to take care of the widows and the orphans of your city. It takes a plan to reach people with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It takes a plan to to grow a church in the face of adversity. It takes a plan to take a city for the Lord. Let me tell you one thing. I want to go back to one thing here. Where it says God gives you the power to speak to people. Your testimony is the greatest thing that you have to win people to the Lord. Did you know that? It is. Because why? You have experienced it. Let me tell you about my, my testimony for a moment before we go forward. Craig had asked me maybe to say something about it. My testimony actually starts when I was 10 years old. I went to a men's brotherhood meeting in the Methodist church. It was nothing but a bunch of men. They brought in an evangelist, and we listened to the word, and then afterwards we all ate watermelon. But he gave an altar call, and as a 10-year-old, I'm not even sure why I walked up there, but I walked up there, and they prayed over everybody. The Methodist church is not like a, a charismatic or a Pentecostal church. They don't get there and lay their hands on you or anything like that. They just say one big glorious prayer. Father, thank you for these people that have come up. Bless them in their lives and make them part of the Methodist church. Well, as a 10-year-old, that meant nothing to me. But what did happen is I felt something. I went back to my home church with my dad. In fact, we left that night and I said, Daddy, I'm going to be a preacher. And I went into the pastor's class the next Sunday and we went through all kinds of stuff and he handed me a box of envelopes and said, you're now a Methodist. But that, that didn't go away. I went to church every Sunday. I knew better not to. My dad would have beat my backside so bad. (laughs) When I turned 18, I said, Dad, bye. And I walked away from the church. Why? Because I felt like people in that church were hypocrites. I didn't know much about it. I let a hypocrite keep me from God. But later on, I married this beautiful lady over here. We started going back to church, and seven years later, a buddy of mine, who I'd been in business with, came up to me at my branch of the bank that I was the manager over, and he said, I want to take you to lunch. Come on. So we went. and We ate. Didn't say a word. We just ate and talked. After it, he looked at me, and he said, Steve, if there was one thing that you could really do in this life— what would you like that to be? And I, without hesitation, I don't know why I said it, I would love to lay my hands on people and see God heal them. And I'm going, wow. He said, let me tell you something. We've been going to a little Bible study with this little group of young people, about 30 or so. I want you to come. So said, sure, I'll go. Be glad to. I went down the there that night, and those people scared hell out of me. (laughs) They really did. That first night, and I'm looking at the clock, and I know I'm in trouble. That first night, a man came in there after the Bible study and said, you say that your God heals. Well, I need healing. He had welding burns all over his face, his neck, all his arms were just peppered. Anybody had ever seen anybody with a welding Burn! it really looks like a bad case of poison ivy. It's terrible. And they began to pray for that man. Now, this is my first time in this place. Down in a basement, we called it the house of prayer at the time. It was next to the dead and under the bread in a basement. There was a bakery above us and there was a funeral home beside us. (laughs) Steve Stells, who was my pastor, walked over to him and said, raise your hands. And I found out later, Steve was going, shaking in his boots, going, God, you got to do this. He laid his hands on him and began to pray for him. I'm a good man to pray when you don't know what's going on. You close this eye and you keep this one open to see what's happening. <laughs> and that's what I was. I was like, what's going on here? That man began to shake violently. I've never seen a man that big shake like that. And I watched as the welts went completely out of the tips of his fingers and out of the top of his head. He was totally healed right there. Now, that should have been the key, right? But it really wasn't the key for me because I jolted out of that place, pulled a cigarette out of my pocket and started smoking going, whew. A man by the name of Don Braswell, who has ended up being a great pastor up in the Northeast, looked at me in his southern drawl and said, Brother don't you worry, God will never let you see what you can't handle. And I said, are you sure? (laughs) And he said, yes. Well, long story short, next week I went back, even though I was scared to death to go in that place. And there was a message that came forth that night using the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. And it said, if you repent of your sins... I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. I raised my hands and I started repenting. And then my wife of the pastor came up and said, that's it. That's the Holy Spirit. Let it come out. And you know the story about the Pentecostal. One saying, let go. The other one saying, hang on. It didn't take but about 15 seconds for me to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I prayed in tongues for the next 15 minutes. I was taller than most people in there, and it was a short ceiling, and my hands, they say, kept disappearing in the rafters. But God transformed me at that very moment. And let me tell you what God can do for you. He will give you a sign to let you know that what just happened to you is real. I've been a cigarette smoker since I was 16 years old. At my age there, I was smoking three packs a day. For at least two years, I listened to my little daughter say, Daddy, please stop smoking. I don't want you to die. And I couldn't stop that night. God took it away from me, and I have not had a cigarette in 45 years. That's what God can do. I'm going to have to go through this real quick. I know that when I hear the music, I'm running out of time. (laughs) Once God's got you, He wants a tithe of your life. Yeah, tithes and money, that type of thing, offerings. But as a church, God expects a tithe. I checked the census. Reno, last year in 2020, said that it had 504,000 people living in the metro Reno area. It's probably more than that now, but let's use that. If God wants a tithe of this city to be a part of His body, that means that you guys have got to go out and win 5,040 people. What? But that's the truth. That's that's a tithe. That's what God respects as. as expects of us as a minimum. When you tithe your money, you give 10%. That rebukes the devourer in your life. And all of a sudden, you can live better on 90% than you could on 100. But that's only to rebuke the devourer. When we give an offering, let's say another 10%. That's where the double portion comes. That's where the hundredfold return comes in our life. So we need to go out in this city We've got a big job to do. That plan that Craig has, it ain't big enough. You don't have enough room in it. You better start blowing out some walls. You better order some more chairs. In fact, you better start looking for another place that will hold 5,000 people because they're coming. If you believe it, they're coming. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But you think about it. The average family is four people, you know, two people. Two adults, two children. That means uh, 1,260 families is what you need to go for right now. Set that as an intermediate goal. Go out and start talking to them. You've got a relationship with God. He's taught you how to make a plan. And the last thing that he's going to teach you is how to give more. Not of money, but of yourself. He's going to teach you how to reach out beyond what you can believe. To get out of presumption and to get into faith, I see a big influx of people coming. God has shown me in my spirit that you're going to fill up a mass, massive place with the people that are going to come. Reno right now is called the biggest little city in the state, right? Or in what? The world? In the whole world. Wow. Wait till you start hearing people talk about Reno as the biggest little city that has a Christian base that has taken over this whole place. They're beginning to wipe out drugs and wipe out drug addicts. Alcoholism is a thing of the past. We don't have it anymore. No more prostitution, no more sex trafficking, no more child trafficking. It's going to go away. Why? Because God wants it so, and he's looking for a people who are you to get it done. You can do it. You can do it. So you want more? That's how you get it. I probably have people in here this morning that are old pros as Christians. Probably have some other people in here that have just made their commitment to God and wondering really what it's all about. And there might even be people in here today going, what in the world is that fool talking about? That's okay. That's fine. We all come into different places. But God has one place for them all for us all to be, in the center of his love. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day. Now, I'm not going to make an invitation. I think that's up to the pastor to do things like that. But I can tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. He gave his life for you. And I don't care what you have done in the past. If you think it is too heinous to even talk about, it's nothing to God. He can take the greatest sins that have ever committed, and he can wipe them away and take them away as far as east and from west, and it'll never be remembered again. That's what he can do for you. And for those of you that have a relationship with God, sure, we're going to blunder every once in a while and make a sin. But a wise man told me one time, just because a bird flies over your head doesn't mean he has to build a nest in it. So when you make a mistake, you go to God and say, God, I, I blew it. I missed the mark. Would you please forgive me? And Jesus is sitting in that chair right beside God. He leans over to him and says, that one's mine. My blood is applied to him or to her. Wipe that sin away, never to be remembered again. There is nothing that can keep you from God as long as you are humble before Him and willing to ask forgiveness and willing to do what God wants you to do. Build that relationship with God. Make it bigger than you've ever had it before. Hide in that closet with Him and pray with all you got. God will build that relationship with you. Yeah, you want more? You can have more. Today is your day to have more. Thank you. God bless you.
0: Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.